Welcome home, friends. This is Pastor David, and you are listening to the Community Life Podcast. We pray this message is an encouragement to help build your faith and focus your life toward Jesus in His way. We also hope that this podcast is an open door of invitation for you to come and see what God is up to here at Community Life. So plan a visit. We'd love to meet you in person. Lastly, if this is your church home or you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so by visiting madeforcommunity.com forward slash give. Thanks for listening. It's great to see y'all. Russ, so good to see you in the house of the Lord. So great to see everyone here today. We just love you and I'm so glad you're here. I'd like to open today with a scripture from John 15. This is uh, Jesus speaking to his disciples and ultimately speaking to us as his people, as his followers today. He says this, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves, but because a master doesn't confide in his slaves, now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. This is so good. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. This is my command. Let's say this together. Love each other. Another translation. I was about to say love one another, right? But love each other. This is my command. Love each other. Let's pray as we get started. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we believe that you're real, you're good, you love us, and you lead to peace. Father, hallowed be your name. You are set apart among all others, God. There is no equal. There is no rival. Forever, God, you reign. And we ask that you would just be welcomed in this place today. We know you're here. God, make us even more aware of your presence. God, we ask that you would just open up the doors of our heart today and enter that we might leave here different, that we might leave here changed. God, we're so grateful that you love us. We're so grateful for all the gifts that you've given us. And in this moment, we ask that you just, again, open our eyes, open our hearts, open our, our minds to your presence. And so it's in your name that we pray. And we all said, amen. amen. Well, 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 welcome home, everybody. So happy to be back sharing from the scriptures today. Um, so excited. A special welcome again to our online community. We love you. We miss you. I don't know which camera I'm looking at, but we miss you and we love you. And I just want you to know that it's safe to come home, okay? Come on back home into the house of the Lord. Um, it is God's heart that we would gather together. And I'm so glad that we have this online experience for folks that can't make it. People that are sick, folks that like literally can't make it into this place. But I just want you to know that the online service is intended to be a last resort, not a first, okay? And so come back home. Um, if you've been hanging out, waiting to come back for any number of reasons, I just want to encourage you. It's time. We miss you. We love you. We're not the same without you. Seriously, this, this, this isn't church. You are the church. And so um, we need you to be, for, uh, we need you here to be who God is calling us to be. Amen? And this is not a guilt trip. It's just a reality from the scriptures. I'm just telling you, like, it's safe. Come on home. We miss you. So make a point. Make a plan. We'll save you a seat. Next week, we got a couple extras. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is David. I've been up here for a couple minutes already, but my name is David, lead pastor here at Community Life. So excited to be sharing. 
Um, following up with, as Jeff was mentioning, um, an epic message from last week about relationships. In fact, it was so epic that the live stream couldn't even handle the whole service. It, it, if you were at home watching, it got cut off toward the end because we ran out of time. But um, if you missed it, um, I just wanted to say uh, what a gift it was to hear from my folks with 45 years of marriage experience, being able to help us understand God's heart for relationships was absolutely amazing. Um, and there was five key points, I'm just gonna say them real quick, um, that we would love our spouse like God does by honoring him as our ultimate boss, by taking responsibility so we can have influence in the future, by learning to say no so we can say yes, by creating boundaries to protect what we value, and lastly, by preparing for change, because change is always coming. It's the only constant, right? So we need to prepare for it. This is how we eros. This is how we eros through the lens of agape. This is how we live happily ever after. Eros through agape. Now, if anyone's just joining us, you're, you're thinking like, Pastor, are you speaking Greek up here? Well, absolutely I am, okay? <laughs> I'm actually speaking Greek, and that's because we are in the middle of a series on love, taking a closer look at the Greek words for love we find in scripture. Now on your chair, you might've seen this little love card. If you see it, why don't you pick it up and wave it around like a fan. I wanna hear it real quick. I love that sound. It sounds so good. Um, in there on the back, Pastor Manny helped put this together um, just for some descriptions on the loves that we're covering in order. And so bring this home, put it in your Bibles, put it on your mirror, put it wherever you want. Take a second if you've already brought one. Um, because this is so important for us to know what love is. Where in the English, which is how most of us speak, in the English we have love. Like I love Hawaii, and I love tacos, and I love riding horses, or I love my beautiful wife. In English we have love, but in the Greek there are all sorts of different words to describe and bring clarity for what love we're actually talking about. And it's these four loves that we've been covering throughout the month of February. Why? Because not all love is created equal. Not all love is created equal. And if we're to be the church defined by love, like we just heard in John 15, then we better know what it means to love. We better know to love him, to love our spouse, to love our family, and what we're covering today, to love our friends. To love our friends. So once again, if you take a look at the back of the card, the third section will help introduce what we're covering today, and that is God's heart for friendship, or phileo love, seen through the lens of agape. And if you just take that, flip it over. Phileo, which, de, um, which defines love for friend, or sometimes brotherhood, personhood, I guess. If you think about Philadelphia, this is where we get the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, phileo. And so Pastor Manny put this together. I'm just going to read it for you. You can read it off the card. Phileo is the expression of love found in camaraderie, kindness, and enjoyment of friendship. In a world where digital friendships on social media seem to set the standard, phileo is a friendship love that calls out of, that calls out of one's heart the delight and appreciation of the qualities in another. This is it. Phileo involves giving and receiving loyalty, hospitality, and care. Focusing on, our happy, on, focusing on our collective happiness rather than my happiness. And this is love for friend according to the scriptures, according to the Greek, um, and commanded by Jesus. It is an affection that goes far beyond simple common acquaintance to reflect the full nature of commitment that God 
showed to his people through Christ. Phileo love. Sounds awesome, right? Who wouldn't want a friend like that? But how does this play out? How do we get there? Well, that's what we're parking on today. So if you have your Bibles, follow me quickly to the Proverbs. Proverbs, we'll be looking at, uh, we'll be jumping around a little bit, but primarily in Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs 27. Now, if you're kind of new to the church or to the Bible, Proverbs, about halfway through your scriptures, is essentially the wisdom of God handed down through King Solomon. Solomon, who was King David's, think David and Goliath, uh, King David's son. And this wisdom is so key to the life of a Christian because, well, all throughout the Bible, especially the New Testament, we're given the instruction to, to pursue love and to love one another. Um, all sorts of directives for what's expected in the New Testament. The Proverbs actually outline how. The Proverbs outline what it looks like to live out faithfulness, to live faithfully in an unfaithful world. And so with that in mind, if you're taking notes, I'd like to call this message simply how to be a good friend in a world of fragile friendship. How to be a good friend, building connection and camaraderie, phileo love on the foundation of God's love in a world of fragile friendship. And I want to focus on how to be a good friend because we as human beings, we were created for friendship. We were, we were created for close, intimate connection. We were made in God's image to be like God and live like God, a God who chooses to actively exist in a devoted friendship and community with himself as the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this was the plan from the very beginning when God made the world. God made Adam, gave him the work of glory. Adam couldn't pull it off on his own. God said it's not good that he would be alone. And so he made Eve, his companion, his equal, his partner, to help carry the weight of life. And this is our origin story as God's people, where we were never meant to live anonymous lives. You and I were never meant to live in seclusion, waiting our days away as an island in an ocean of other islands. We were made for phileo love. God designed us to exist intimately with others in close friendship. In fact, this past week, I was reading an article in Scientific American, very studious of me, I know. Don, I know you'd be proud. Um, but it actually talked about how actually wired into our DNA, into our DNA, it's literally in our bones. God wired us to, for a deep desire uh, and connection with others. So oftentimes you'll hear that like intrinsically at the very primal level of who we are, we need food, water, and shelter. Well, science is now seeing that it's more than that. In our bones, God wired us for connection with others, for deep friendship. Y'all, we were made for friendship. It's literally who we were made to be. And yet, in the same article, it talked about how more than 50% of Mer Americans today say that they have less than three close friends. And that in the last six months, they felt alone, left out, isolated, and lack companionship. And this article was pre-COVID. Just imagine what it is today. 50% of people feel alone. And that number shows no prejudice in or outside of these church walls. 
I wonder how that number represents us. This is gonna be a real test of, uh, of trust right now, but if you felt alone in the last six months, just put your hand up for a second. I know I have. So what gives? Why do we have such a hard time connecting? Why do we have such a hard time making friends and existing in community with others and finding that deep phileo love? Well, I think that there's three things. And as a pastor, I usually like to talk in threes, okay? So just deal with it here. Um, and this is from my own observation and my own internal audit. This is not like I'm not a sociologist or a scientist. I just, the three things that I have recognized for why we have a hard time building connection is that first of all, it's because we're just selfish. Just driving it home quick. We're selfish. We want what we want when we want it. And because we're selfish and almost always think about ourselves first, second, um, we just don't know how to be good friends. We don't know how to be a good friend. It's not a skill or a value that we're taught today. It's not prioritized by the world. In school, they don't necessarily talk about how to be a good friend. They talk to you about how to get ahead. We've been taught to want and even desire from others as selfish people, but we're rarely taught what it takes to be a good friend. Which then leads to number three. So number one is we're selfish. Number two, we don't know how to be good friends. And number three, as selfish people who don't know how to be good friends, we tend to attract more of the same. King Solomon speaks to this in Proverbs 13 when he says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. We become like the people we walk with, for better or worse. We become like those we surround ourselves with. And I, and I don't know about you, but as someone who chronically thinks about himself, this reality, it's often left me selfish, it's left me defensive, and with surface friendship with others. Because in the moment, I was selfish, defensive, surface person hanging with selfish, defensive, surface people where you don't trust because they don't trust you and, and, and that you don't assume the best in others because they don't assume the best in you. They don't forgive you or push you forward because you don't first do it for them, which leaves us certainly connected, but connected only until you're not. It leaves you connected in a fragile friendship. It reminds me of a friend I had growing up, um, Carter. I'm 40 now, okay? <laughs> I've made it, all right? But for the first 25 years of my life, I had a friend. Um, his, uh, and, and, and we did everything together. We were in school together, we went to church together, we went to mission trips together, we ended up starting a band together, moved in together, we had a fish tank together with a couple of these like piranha fish. Y'all, check this out. So we had a fish tank and um, and there was a, there's a, a variation of piranha called an Oscar fish. I don't know if you ever heard about these. And they eat whatever you throw in there. And so there was this one day that we ran out of fish food. And so we went to the fridge and what did we have? We had hot dogs. So we cut up the hot dogs, tossed them in the fish tank, gone. It was amazing. So if you ever need just a really durable fish, get an Oscar. Anyway, so I was, I was friends with this guy, 25 years. We did everything together, everything together. 25 years, but then one small thing happened, and I'll spare you the details, but instead of loving one another through it, just one little thing, instead of loving one another through it and being a friend, we expected the other to be a friend. We both expected the other to be the friend that we wanted. 
which led to this spiral of tension and conflict that led to a fracture that still exists today. And I've tried to create a repair to this, but at time, you know how it goes. And now as I look back on that time, in that moment, I, I, I always believed as we were feeding the Oscar hot dogs, okay, I always believed that our friendship would last forever. I believe that our friendship was strong, but when I look back now, I can see that even though it was extensive and drawn out, our connection was almost always fragile. Our friendship was always just one good fight away from breaking up. We didn't know how to be good friends because we were selfish. It just so happened that our selfishness complemented each other longer than most. But listen, and I need you to understand this, mutual self-centeredness isn't friendship. It's just delicate codependence. If you're taking notes, write it down. I'm gonna say it again for the person in the back. I don't know who's in the back, but mutual self-centeredness, it is not friendship. It is just delicate codependence, a codependence that passes as friendship. And if we're honest, it has become the standard for how we engage with the world today. But none of this is, is new at all. Like, this has been the way. I mean, we can point to all the trends in social media and technology and personality tests and consumerism and the dissolving of the family unit. We can point to all of it as the source for our isolation we can point to everything as the source for why our relationships are shallow and fragile. But the reality is this has been the standard, the status quo since perfection left the garden. Amen. When Adam and Eve chose what they wanted more than friendship with God. Amen. And yet, in spite of all of this failure, God still wired us for connection, woven to the very essence of our being. There is a fundamental need for more than us. There is a longing for real connection and true community, which is why Solomon writes, Solomon was offered anything from God, if you read the scriptures, and he asked for wisdom. And so with the wisdom of God, he writes this in response to all he's seen in the past and all that God dreams for the future. He puts pen to page in the Proverbs to help. To... He did not write to help you make friends. He helped so you would be a good friend. It is not my job, it is not the church's job to make you friends. It is the church's job to make you a good friend. And that's about what it takes to be a good friend. So here we go, Proverbs 27. We're gonna be reading verse six, nine, and 10. We're gonna be jumping a little bit, but, um, but this is what uh, Solomon says for how to be a good friend. It'll be on the screen. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. And in a friend, when disaster strikes, you won't have to ask your brother for way. Let me read it one more time. There's a lot of imagery here. We'll break it down. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Never abandon a friend, verse 10, either yours or your father's. When disaster strikes, you won't have to ask your brother for assistance. It's better to go to a neighbor than to a brother who lives far away. Now, what are we getting at here? 
What does this mean for us as we kind of sift through some of the poetic imagery here? Three specifically things, three things from chapter 27. Solomon is saying that phileo love and real friendship according to God is first honest, it's loyal, and it's humble. Can you say those three things with me real quick? Phileo love is honest, loyal, humble. One more time, let it sink in. It's honest, it's loyal, and it's humble. Let's start by breaking down honesty. If you want greater connection in your life, if you want greater friendships like God wants for you, phileo friendship that you were designed to have, it has to start on a firm foundation of honesty and holding on to together what's true. And this right here cannot be overstated because without mutual submission to authority for what's true, a common truth in relationship, you are building the future on assumptions and opinions of selfish people. Without a common understanding for what's true, we are building the future on assumptions and the opinions of selfish people. Assumptions and opinions that will always eventually lead to division and fracture as we're fragile. There has to be a constant behind our feelings and our expectations for how to live at peace with all people. And for us as followers of Jesus, the constant, the authority that we're talking about comes from Jesus and what we see in the scriptures. It's on the authority of God's word that true friendship is formed. What is, what is the sage wisdom of um, Brother Michael W. Smith, right? Friends are friends forever, if the Lord's the Lord of them. Has, am I living in a time warp right now? You don't know this song? <laughs> ben, tracks, it tracks. I know, right? I'm feeling just so gray right now. Um, Friends are friends forever if the Lord's the Lord of them. It has to start with an honest foundation. True friendship, like God intends, has to start on an honest foundation, which then compels us to see and speak true truth, even when it's hard to speak truth. Who likes saying hard things? Nobody likes saying hard things. I see one hand, no. <laughs> It compels us, this honest foundation compels us to speak what's true even when it's hard. And that's what Solomon is getting at in verse six when he says that wounds or correction from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Lasting friendship, phileo love, friendship starts with knowing what's true and then being honest about where you might see some disconnects, bringing correction and counsel where it's needed. True friendship starts with a common understanding of what's true and submission to this truth, to live honest in response. True friendship, phileo friendship. Because, but honesty, as we're talking about verse, first point, honesty is just, just the beginning of a true friendship. Because number two, uh, honesty without commitment. Let me say this one more time. Honesty without commitment, honesty without loyalty, this is part two, is like truth without love. Honesty without loyalty is just judgmental observation. I've been there. Has anyone ever been there where you kind of look in on someone that you're not committed to and you still try to bring correction into their life? You kind of point out like where they fail? Never, right? Even from a distance, we kind of look in and, you, and there's this judgmental spirit in all of us where we look over and we're like, man, I don't know what they're doing. 
I don't know where they're at. Truth without loyalty, honesty without loyalty, is just judgmental observation, which is why Solomon says in verse 10, with a lead in from chapter 17, it'll be on the screen, it says, I don't know if it's on the screen or not, but either way, follow me along. It says, a friend is always loyal. Never abandon a friend, either yours or your father's. Never abandon a friend because loyalty is vital to honesty for the health and growth of any relationship. It reminds me of when Rebecca and I were still trying to figure out how to be friends. We, um, our story goes way back. Like we met on Facebook. I go down to Mississippi and it was kind of a challenging connection on my part. She comes up and uh, to Minnesota when, we, when I was living there and she comes and checks it out and it just kind of, we, we weren't able to kind of hit it off the way I, I expected. Anyway, she ends up moving up to Minnesota after she checks out the city. It's a great town. She enrolls in grad school at Bethel Seminary um, for community development. And she's living in my neighborhood and we knew so much about each other so much about each other, but we just could not figure out how to get along. And I don't, I don't know what it was. I think that the Lord had to do some work. Um, but anyway, we had this common truth. We knew each other. We had this common truth as Christians even, but we had no loyalty to the future together. So there was this time where I was just being a, kind of an idiot living far from Jesus. She's laughing about this because she remembers. I was just kind of being... I don't know, like we're all on a journey, you know, we all have seasons of, of highs and lows, but I was on a journey and I was just trying to figure some stuff out, um, still working through. My brother had died a couple years before and I'd kind of turned off my emotions in a way and I was trying to figure out how to feel again and it was just this weird time for me, but anyway, I was kind of living far outside of what I would say is appropriate as, um, as a Christian and Becca, being the lovely woman she is, just decides to call me out like hard to. And so we get together and she just says, David, you are living wrong. You are living wrong. There's a disconnect between what you say and what you do. And, and it, it was true. It was true. But even though what she was saying was true, the correction she brought was, I just didn't believe that she was with me. You know what I mean? I didn't believe that she was for me and she wanted to see me like step into the better way because we had no loyalty with one another. All I felt was a judgmental observation. I felt like she was watching me and calling me out without any real commitment to seeing me get better. Does that make sense? To me, it seemed like she was trying to put me in my place because there was no commitment to a common future. And maybe you've been there. Obviously, we worked it out, okay? Praise the Lord for that. We got two kids as evidence, but listen. Um, <laughs> Maybe you've been there in a situation like that on either side of the story, wondering why you're not seeing growth or change in a friendship. Maybe you've been there and you ask yourself, am I really committed to this person? Maybe you've been there even now and you're like, man, why is this friend still making it? Like, why can't we just work this stuff out? The question I wanna ask you isn't like, why aren't they doing it? I'm saying, are you loyal enough to help bring correction? Are you loyal enough to receive correction? Are you loyal enough to say hard things and hear hard things? Because you know that the people that bring them are for you and with you. Are you loyal or do you have one foot out the door? Is your friendship and your commitment to them conditional on how you feel? 
Is your friendship and your relationship conditional on them pleasing you or you being aligned in every issue? Or is it possible that loyalty goes beyond your feelings? Never abandon a friend. Loyalty is essentially to a lasting friendship. But this is number three. We're getting close to the end here. Loyalty is not sustainable without humility. Loyalty is not sustainable without humility. Seeking the best for the other, even when what you might want most or what might be most comfortable for you doesn't come through. But humility is difficult, right? Humility is difficult because it means that we have to constantly be thinking not just what's true and if we have made a commitment, but it also, it requires that we put ourselves second. Humility requires that we put ourselves second to humble ourselves. Scripture says to die to self, to take up our cross and follow Jesus in our friendships, to die to our pride, to die to our desires, to die to our expectations, to die to our insecurities and our fears and our favorites. Why? For the benefit of a friendship, a friendship that is loyal, rooted and grounded on the reality of God, okay? It means that we have to die to self. This is humility. And it's hard because it challenges our very instinct of putting ourselves first. In the garden, they put themselves first above their friendship with God. It's still in us. It's still in us to put ourselves first. Humility is hard. But when I think about my own life, I think that the, the part of humility that's the hardest for me isn't so much giving up, but rather asking for help. I like to be durable. I like to be self-sufficient. How well does self-sufficiency work in a friendship? I want so badly to be capable on my own and capable for others. And so when I need, it's really hard for me to ask. How many of you like to ask for help? Right? That's why I think Solomon included this verse in uh, verse 10, chapter 27. He included it to help us see that we all need. We all need and we're all needed. And so walk humbly. He says, never abandon a friend, either yours or your father's. When disaster strikes, you won't have to ask your brother for assistance. It's better to go to a neighbor than to a brother who lives far away. Isn't this an incredible picture of friendship? Phileo love right here, built on honesty and loyalty and humility, where when things come up, because things come up and they will come up, they might even be here right this second and you are in need, but you don't know how to ask for help. You don't know who to ask for help. Phileo love says you don't need to solve it on your own. You don't need to solve this problem on your own. And, and the scriptures says that you don't, if you have a good friend, you don't need to go far to find help. You know, you can call on a friend and they'll be there because they know that you'll be there when they call. And this type of connection, this is the type of friendship that God longs for us to have. And we see countless examples of it in the scriptures. It's one that's inspired and modeled not by how we feel or what we get out of a connection, but rather by God defining it with how he chose to create friendship with us. God showed us what friendship was with agape, with sacrificial love. And this is what we saw at the beginning of the message in John 15 when Jesus said, this is my commandment. Love 
each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay one's life down for one's friends. You are my friends. God is saying, you are my, you are my friend and I've shown you how to be a friend. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. This is the honesty piece here in John 15. I've told you everything the Father told me. Honesty. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Loyalty. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruits so the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my commandment. Love each other. There is no greater love. Phileo, built on agape, no greater love to lay down one's life for one's friends. Humility. Die to self for the greater good of a friendship. This is it. You were made for connection. God wired you before the foundations of the world for close friendship, this side of heaven, built on the foundation of common truth and love. Honesty, loyalty, Humility. This is how to be a good friend in a world of fragile friendship. This is what friendship is intended to be like, following the example and the commands of Christ, inspired with the wisdom of Solomon in the Proverbs. Simple enough, right? Maybe simple, far from easy. So... All right, knowing what could be and what God wants most for our friendships, knowing God's dream that we would embrace phileo love, that we would receive and give a love to a friend like God loves us, that we would love our neighbor and lay our life down for our friend, to be honest, loyal, and humble, knowing all of this, when you think about your own story, when you hear this wisdom, which part of it do you think is most challenging for you? When you think about loyalty, when you think about honesty, when you think about humility, what piece of this proverb is most challenging? What part of this proverb is keeping you from being a good friend? Just do an internal audit of your own life real quick. Which part is preventing you from significant and meaningful friendships? Maybe for you, it's that currently the only authority in life that you submit to is you. Maybe currently the only authority that you have is your feelings and your personal satisfaction, and so that's preventing you from having this meaningful friendship. Maybe you're too scared to say or to hear what's true because you're even more afraid to hear a rebuke. Maybe you're too scared to say what's true because you're afraid of commitment. Maybe you've been burned by friends in the past. Maybe you're too afraid to get hurt that you inadvertently hurt those around you by keeping them at a distance. Maybe you're so focused on what you want or how you feel or your fears or your failures or your pride and it's keeping you from being loyal. I don't know what that is for you. I just know what it is for me. I also know that more than 50% of America and probably 50% of this room today feel isolated, alone, and have less than three friends. And I get that some of our feeling is chemical and some of it happens to us, but honestly, the vast majority of our lack of friendship our lack of connection, our self-isolation is absolutely self-induced. It's absolutely optional. So what are the optional things in your life that are keeping you from being a good friend? What are the things that are holding you back from phileo love? And really dig deep here for a second. And, and this is how we're ending the service too. So just, you can just kind of think about it. 
I want you to carry this as you go, bring your love card and, and really be thinking about it. But what are, what are the things that are keeping you from the type of friendship God has for you? What are the things that you can control? Here's a good question. Are you walking with the wise or are you associating with fools? Maybe a little of both. Are you living on common foundation of truth with your friends? Are you committed? Are you loyal to your people? And you know your people. Are you approaching your relationships with humility, with what's best for them? Or are you always thinking about what's best for you? Because today, friends, I call you friends, today can be a day for you to course correct. Today can be a day for you to decide to be a good friend. Regardless of how you receive it, today can be the day that you choose to be a good friend and invest in the type of friendships God wants for you. And so as we close, I just wanna pray for you. And we're not gonna be ending with music, we're not ending with singing, we're gonna dismiss and you can go get your kids and grab some lunch, whatever. But as we go, I just wanna pray for you that you will choose today here and now, to be the kind of friend God is calling you to be, both in and outside of these walls. That you would choose to live with open eyes to all the areas that are keeping you in toxic, fragile, codependent, self-serving relationships. God would open your eyes and that you would act and respond accordingly. That you would choose to be a good friend. He'd be a good friend. And I know it sounds simple, but friendship and connection is such a huge part of our lives. I told you, it's, it's in our bones to be together. So I want to pray that you would have the courage to lead by example, that you'd be a good friend, that you would be honest, and that you would be loyal and humble, because this is what it looks like to love one another. Sound good? Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, again, we thank you for today. We're so grateful that you love us. Jesus, the scripture says that you don't just love us, you love loving us. It brings you great joy to show us affection and that, God, you call us friend. So, Jesus, today we ask that your spirit, your presence, your word, your way would make its way into our hearts and our minds. God, that that way would make its way down to our hands and our feet, that we would be good friends, that we would love one another well. Jesus, we're so grateful that you have shown us how to be a good friend. That God, you're not just saying be a good friend and then having us figure it out, but God, there's no greater love than to lay, one's life, lay down one's life for one's friends. And, and God, you've modeled this for us. And so today, as we close, as we leave, with optimistic hearts and smiles on our face, God, encourage us, show us how to be good friends. Help us see all the things that are keeping us from true connection and relationship with others. God, identify those areas of pride. Identify those areas of idolatry. Identify those areas of hypocrisy and judgment that we carry in us, that the unforgiving spirit that exists in us with certain people, God, we ask that you would identify that in us and that you'd purge it from us so we might go and love people well like you do. God, we're so grateful that you love us. And now we hear your command to love one another. And so God, set our feet 
in motion, God, show us the way and help us live lives of greater faith and obedience as we love one another well. So Jesus, again, thank you. Keep working on us. I know we're, a, a, we're not a good bet, but God, you still love us anyway. And so we embrace that and we, uh, and we remember that today. So it's in your name that we pray. And we all said, amen. Love you guys. Seriously, I do. I am so grateful that I get to be here with you. Um, now go and love each other well. Have an awesome day. Invite someone out to lunch. Go and have a good time. But uh, go be a good friend.